I'm Dr. Greg Winteregg, CEO of the Private Dentist Alliance. I want to talk to all of you students out there today who are wondering what your future is going to be like as a career in dentistry, as an assistant, as a hygienist, as a dentist, where is this profession going with the rapid increase of the DSO movement? I'm here to tell you the PDA is going to help you and I want you to become a member today. It is free. Now, why should you become a member? You're gonna get weekly video updates from me and you're gonna get regular updates of our newsletters from the Alliance on exactly what is happening and how we are going to help preserve and protect the private practice of dentistry. Now to me, the most important advantage is you are going to get access to our job board. What is that? Our private practicing members all have access to our PDA job board, which means if they have an opening in their private practice of assistant, hygienist, doctor, front office staff, they're going to be able to post it. And you're gonna be able to check up regularly. And as our membership grows, we're gonna be covering larger and larger territories across the United States. If you are looking for a job in any position in the office of a private practice, you need to become a student member today. It is free. Go to www.privatedental.org and become a student member today. You're gonna to love your benefits. Do it now. It's your boy Matt Havis back at it again with the Dental Student Pies podcast. And today we have a very special guest, Dr. Jana Denzel. He is an awesome new dentist trying to enter the market of cosmetic dentistry all the way across the pond in England. And I got to say, this conversation was so enlightening. Dr. Denzel has his stuff together. Tune in, listen to all of the insightful things he has to say to be a successful dentist. You don't want to miss this. So as always, check us out on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Leave us a comment, a review, a follow, and let us make this the best podcast we can for you. As always, stay safe and vibe on. All right. We have a very special guest with us today. Welcome back to Dental Student Vibes. This is the podcast for dental students, Dennis, new grads, here to teach you clinical business, lifestyle, how to be happy as a dentist. We have Dr. Jonna Denzel today. Dr. Denzel, how are we? Hey, what's going on, everyone? Pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm doing very well, thank you. Yourself? Awesome, awesome. I, uh, I'm getting hit by this hurricane. It's not a hurricane anymore. It's a tropical storm, and we'll see if it even reaches over here on the west coast of Florida. So how was, uh, how's your weekend been so far? That's crazy. We, was in, we have pretty bad weather here in the UK, but nothing like hurricanes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Dr. Denzel, can you, uh, we'll just jump right into it. Can you kind of walk me through your experience uh, up until now, how, how you've moved from dental school to the next steps in your career? Right. Okay. So just a little bit of a background about me. Uh, I was born and raised in London, UK. Uh, both my parents are refugees from Sri Lanka. Uh, they kind of just fled the war uh, there in the, in the 1980s, uh, found each other in London and started the big family here. So I initially studied biology with psychology in London, and then I went on to study dentistry in Valencia, Spain. So I'm now back in London practicing dentistry here, and most of my work kind of just, I use my biology and psychology degree to go in with the dentistry and practice holistic care, kind of focusing on not treating just the teeth, but the patient as a whole. So like mind, body, teeth, we look at the bigger picture. Cool. So how, how does the um, holistic care how does that what what's different in the holistic care that you would prescribe a patient right so when we have people coming in and you know they just want to get a full smile makeover like you know just give me the 10 veneers i want the hollywood smile uh because you know they see all the celebrities out there with it they see um on instagram social media all of these people coming out with you know a brand new smile when you're treating them holistically and you're taking the biology and psychology aspects into it as well you need to tell them obviously what their current situation is, what their health is like, and what the health of their teeth are like. Some patients don't really need to get 10 veneers. A few veneers with some teeth whitening could do them a great job. And I feel that's when you need to really treat the patient holistically, 
treating their psychological needs? What's the real reason that they want to go through this treatment for? Do they really need it biologically? Do they even need it? Are their teeth healthy and do they need veneers? So it's, it's just comes into treating the patient as a whole and not just looking at the teeth, looking at what they want and say, oh, cool, 10 veneers. You know, most dentists um, will look at 10 veneers and be like, you know, all right, cool, let's, let's go ahead with it. But when you're treating the patient as a whole, you need to look at them in a more of a psychological and biological standpoint and feel what's really best for the patient. I love that. That's fantastic. That's a great, that's a great uh, point of view to look at everything. So you've been talking a lot about veneers and I know that you are a big cosmetic dentist guy. You're trying to tell, we were talking beforehand. Tell me about how uh, you're trying to transition in the future to go into more cosmetic dentistry. Sure. Definitely. As in, so right now it's actually my first full on proper year where I'm practicing general dentistry. Um, I love it. Um, you know, it, everything is pretty cool aside from endo. It's not my favorite topic, <laughs> um, but as in definitely cosmetics is something that I'd really, really love to go into. Um, I look up to many guys such as Dr. Bill Dorfman, Dr. Appa. I see all of their work and I can see how them changing a smile really just impacts the patient on a whole, their self-esteem, their confidence, everything that kind of goes through them as as a whole it's not just a smile so for me i would love to branch onto cosmetic dentistry go on to where it's kind of like changing the person's smile and also their confidence and self-esteem as well that's that's awesome and i mean Apple's stuff you see he's got the full production man he's got that lab in-house like those guys are those are those are some real lab techs there of course, of course. He's, you know, he's one of the best in the game, one of the pioneers of cosmetic dentistry. He's come down to London a couple of times. I've seen him there and his work is, is, is amazing. Right. So, so what is it like? Um, I never met him before. Um, we're supposed to have him on at some point here. And also we got Bill Dorfman uh, next week. So that, that'll be nice. cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, Bill is an amazing guy. He's, he's a great friend, a great mentor. Mm -hmm. uh, we connected over lockdown. And since then we've been in touch and, uh, learn so much from him and he's amazing he's, he's a great guy uh appa uh i know appa but I, don't, I don't have a personal relationship with him but as in from the times i met him he seems like a really down-to-earth person and uh i just see him see his work through instagram and he's he's also really really cool as well yeah he's his instagram's on fire you know <laughs> yeah. it really is so how did you get to meet uh bill dorfman uh so bill we just kind of connected through instagram uh, he saw on my page that um, I, I wrote down kind of as featured in GQ because back in the days when I was a student, uh, I used to work in, you guys probably know Abercrombie & Fitch. Right. So I used to work in one of the stores here in London and they transferred me to a store in Valencia, Spain. So they're, you know, just a little small time, like modeling with these small, small brands that one of them was featured in the GQ. And he was actually featured in British GQ himself over lockdown. He did something uh, which was how to stay fit when you're over 60. Right. I saw that. <laughs> yeah so that was pretty cool and uh from there we just kind of touched base uh he invited me to do like an instagram live with him so jumped onto that and since then we just stayed in touch and he's, he's a really cool guy yeah that's that's awesome so let's talk a little bit about your current uh practice style tell me everything walk me through a day in your in the practice that you're working in right okay so at the moment right now i'm doing something called a dental foundation training year so in the UK, if you graduate from the UK uh, dental school, uh, you need to do one year training before you can work in the National Health Service. So uh, in this year, you need to do a certain number of treatments. You need to do like reflective logs, um, tutorials with a supervisor and go on from there. So this year, it's been a bit different because we had COVID that happened up in March. So the number of patients we were exposed to wasn't high as you normally would do during the year. But at the moment, right now, I'm seeing what you would say in the UK is NHS patients, which is National Health Service patients, which you, anyone can really kind of access. It's for those that can't afford private healthcare. And here it's great because you're able to see a wide range of patients, which means you're able to do a wide range of treatments. Right. So how uh, kind of walk me through like how many patients you see in a day, how many operatories, like what's, what's that uh, walking into the practice that you're at? Right. So on a normal day, what's expected of uh, an NHS dentist, which is not going to be the same anymore post-COVID, is you'd normally go off and see about 20 patients a day. You do like 15 minute checkups, half an hour fillings or extractions, and just kind of work through from 8.39 all the way to 5.15 for about a uh, lunch hour uh, in the middle. However, after COVID, we have something called a fallow time 
which is after you see a patient, uh, you and your nurse need to leave the room. It's recommended for an hour because if there is coronavirus within that patient or up in the air, you need to wait an hour for what's in the air to settle down onto the surfaces and then you go in and clean it up. As you can imagine, if you're leaving an hour between each patient, you're never going to see 20 patients again. You probably only see about three to four, maybe six wow. per day. So moving forward, um, you know, we, now we have to live in a coronavirus world. This virus is here. It's always going to be present in some sort of way. So now the days that we used to see 20 patients, we're not going to be able to do that anymore. This is great because one of my mentors is Miguel Stanley from Portugal. He practices something called slow dentistry. And uh, it's, it's a great time now to practice slow dentistry because now not everything is fast paced as it was before. You now have to take it a lot slower and treat the patient and do it properly, provide a better care for them as well. So there's good aspects to it as well as bad aspects. But you know, in terms of moving towards a more preventative dentistry and slow dentistry, it's great for that. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy. So how has that kind of affected your practice? Have you guys had to, uh, I guess, lay off any assistance and any front desk, that sort of thing? Yeah, of course. As an initially, because we weren't seeing the number we had before, um, we had to put a couple of people on furlough, which is like a government scheme where you kind of lay them off, but the government pays them a percentage of the salary that they would do because it's not their fault it's due to coronavirus affecting the number of, uh, amount of business we have. So, yeah, definitely um, it's, it's been a reduction in the number of staff we have. Um, the National Health Service has put up a system in place where all you have to do is 20% of the workload that you would do on a normal day-to-day -day basis and they still pay you the same amount in full. So with that, you know, it's uh, a lot more dentists are practicing um, private dentistry care because there's a lot more time to make more money privately and you only have to do 20% of the NHS work to get paid the same. Mm -hmm. So uh, this week's been quite chilled for me. I haven't gone into work or anything like that. So I've had a bit of downtime, uh, able to kind of practice and focus on other aspects of my career. Right. So tell me, what are those other aspects? What else are you trying to get into now? Right. So one of the things I do, uh, I do dental marketing. Um, it's a business I set up while I was a student. Um, this is something I do for dentists as well as dental clinics. So um, long gone are the days where you'd you know advertise on the AA or billboards or like in a right. local newspaper. I think nowadays everyone is kind of glued to their phone, to Instagram, to Facebook, to Google. So we kind of focus on digital marketing. Uh, it's something I've been doing for a number of years, uh, working quite a small niche. I don't advertise my services anywhere, it's just kind of through word of mouth. Um, if I look at your clinic and I look at you and I feel like I can help you and I can make a difference, then you know, I'll be like, you know, this is what I do, I think we're a great fit, and let's go in for it. So it's something I've developed for a number of years when I was a student, I still carry it out now, and it's definitely something I'd like to carry on doing um, whilst I work as a dentist. Right, so are you doing, um, so like working as an associate, are you, are you doing that for yourself? Are you doing it for the practice? Or are you focusing only on your own brand? How, are you, how is that working? So it's for my own brand at the moment right now. So uh, at the moment we've got a company called Den Studio, um, so it's brand right now where I just kind of take on clinics, I speak to the practice owners, find out what their goals are in life, what they really want to be able to go and achieve. And most of the time it's financial. They want to take their clinic from X amount to X amount and they want to invest on social media advertising and the amount of leads you can get on through Facebook, Instagram, uh, search engine optimization through Google is crazy, right? We have a lot of Invisalign, teeth whitening, uh, implant leads that if they've got a good front of house, which means, you know, the reception team, able to convert these leads onto patients, then, you know, they will be booked regardless of coronavirus. They'll be booked, you know, every day. So it's something that, you know, I felt passionate about, felt like I could make a good difference with and helping people out. It's been great. That's, that's really cool. Like that's, that's a very unique thing. Cause I don't know any dentists that are doing that themselves. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so what, it, uh, just, I mean, more questions about that. How, sure. what do you think is like the most, uh, has the greatest ROI out of those three? You said, Google SEO, Instagram, um, and Facebook? Um, it kind of depends on the clientele and depends on the treatment, for example, right? When you're targeting Instagram, it's got a different age demographic than Facebook would. Facebook is slightly for the, the older generation, while Instagram is kind of for the younger generation. So if you're looking to do something like teeth whitening or 
Invisalign kind of falls in between the two, but Invisalign, let's just say, then Instagram would, because it's for people who see celebrities, who see social media influencers with white teeth, uh, straight teeth, they kind of go on, you better get better terminally rest on Instagram. But Facebook and the older generation, that's for more implant referrals. So if you want to go for implants and stuff, then, you know, Facebook advertising is great. The return on investment is, 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 is crazy. Like, you know, the amount you spend on Facebook and Instagram with the amount of leads you get is great now. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in a couple of years' time. It could change up. They could probably see, like, you know, these guys are making a lot more money. And it has changed. Um, it's gone more expensive. So in a couple of years' time, maybe I might be like, you know, return on investment isn't worth on Instagram and Facebook. But now, 2020, it's a great time to do so. Hmm. Okay, that's real interesting. Um, so when you're doing the targeting, what do you think has, uh, again, better ROI? Is it, are you running videos, you're running just photos? What, what do you think works the best? Well, from when I started, which was a few years ago to now, Instagram and Facebook have changed a lot of rules and regulations. For example, with Invisalign before and afters, they're taken down. So Why is that? Um, I, to be honest, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a whole bunch of reasons that they have. Um, but as in, they've been a lot stricter now, especially with Instagram and Facebook as well, times of stuff you can post and stuff. But what I always tell um, clinicians, uh, especially dentists that are trying to have more patience through Instagram and Facebook is no one really cares if you have done an amazing MO amalgam or composite filling and you're taking a before and after picture on it and you're posting it and you like, look at my anatomy, look at the buckle cusp and stuff. Other dentists, yeah, we, you know, we would like to see that. Patients, they don't care about it. Right. Half the time, they, they don't really notice the difference. You know? like, what, what was the difference there? What patients want to see is emotions. They want to see other patients having a smile makeover, looking at their emotions like, oh my God, I want to be that happy. I want to have that type of emotion. Um, look how they felt and uh, before and after. And one guy that does a great job is a dentist I know called Dr. Daniel Rubenstein in New York. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I love his videos because he's shown more of him, his personality, his patients' reactions and emotions, and he's got it down to a T. Like, you know, I've spoken to him a number of times and he, he's, he's doing really, really well there. Um, a lot of dentists, uh, we've got someone called uh, Milad here, who's otherwise known as a singing dentist, um, kind of worldwide, that's his brand. He doesn't post anything to do with dentistry on his page. Right. And he's one of the top dentists in the UK. So it's always about patient's emotion is what I say, is what you should be focusing on if you're a dentist and you're trying to get patients through social media. That's awesome, man. That, that's some real good information. And tell me again, what was the name of the uh, company that you're running for that? It's called Den Studio, D-E-N Studio. Yes. So his website is denstudio.co.uk. Uh, we don't advertise it anywhere. I haven't put it up anywhere, but it's just like somewhere I needed to put all my client refer uh, testimonials on, services on. And, you know, we do websites, branding to social media and everything. I also kind of work, teamed up with a guy who was working on GQ, um, dove all of these big boy brands that knows how to do it inside out. And I told him about the dental game and he jumped on it with me and helped me with that. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. Um, okay. So that, that's a, that's a little deep dive into a different direction. So let's talk about, um, more about how your day goes when I guess, like you said, it's different now practicing and everything, but what's uh what's a normal day like for you, uh, over there in the UK? What's your morning routine? Just walk me through a normal day. Right. Um, yeah, I wish I could tell you I have like a set routine like these, like, you know, these other guys do. But, you know, but in a normal day-to-day -day basis when I'm having clinics, when I'm having work, yeah, I do have a morning routine. But definitely during lockdown, when clinics were closed, that kind of all went out the window and I probably put on a few pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, when I do have work, my mornings often start pretty early. Um, you know, put my alarm clock on, wake me up from a deep sleep. First thing I do is open the shades, get that natural light in uh reset my circadian rhythm and then after i i normally do a lot of ab workouts in the morning so you kind of use that ab wheeler like youtube uh, eight minute ab exercise go into the shower after then i take the bus to work so i uh, take the bus take two different buses into work so it takes an hour and a half and then i kind of listen to podcasts such as yours uh scrubbed in is another one from some medics in the uk and um, bill dr bill dorfman he's got a pretty good one called meet the mentor as well Mm -hmm. He's great guests like Mark Wahlberg and stuff. So I listen to that on the way to work. Uh, during work, I just kind of grab a smoothie in the morning. Um, do you know Innocent Smoothies? Do you have that in the US? No, we don't. But there's a million smoothie places. You, you get like a scoop of protein in there? Or? Yeah, 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 pretty much. There's, and these guys, it's just one of your five-a-days. 
I normally kind of have the protein in the evenings when I come back from work, I kind of just unwind, chill out for a couple hours, get back onto the business side of things, uh, making sure all of our clients are happy, uh, kind of have weekly check-in meetings with each one of them, making sure the work's done, the leads are done, converting has gone right in terms of their front of house. Um, and then after that in the evenings, I, I, I normally have a gym session as well. Nice. So gym session twice a day. So well, you got the morning, morning doesn't count. It's just a little ab workout, <laughs> yeah, a little sweat. <laughs> so that's a good mindset, though. I like that. Like it doesn't count. You got to work harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As in, again, Bill, uh, if you've seen him, he's ripped uh, <laughs> being the age he is. So, you know, I've got some great role models that I look up to to try and you know have some have some routine. Right. So, tell me, th- think back to to dental school now. What what's like a piece of advice you would give yourself? uh on the first day of dental school for all of our dental students that are about to start or have started already right okay so i'm pretty sure it's the same for us as in the uk getting into dental school is extremely difficult right right so in the uk you know a lot of people work very hard as in for me when i was 15 16 i was doing work experiences abroad in the army everywhere to just kind of build my statement up and uh working really really hard on my grades to make sure i get all the a's and stuff to get in so on the first day of dental school, I think, enjoy it, you know. Um, you've done all that hard work, you're in there now. First few years of dental school is when you're meant to kind of break out of your, your shell, mix in with other students, join societies and have fun, you know. As in, if I could go back into my first year of uni, I'll be like, you know, don't worry too much about after uni. I kind of, you know, first year in, I was like, I'm going to run for student representative. I want to be doing this. I want to do that. I want to do everything, which is great, which is cool. But make sure you're having fun with it. The first few years, you kind of just go over, you know, your biology and your psychology and understand the basics. It's only within your third year in the UK dental schools in Spain as well, where you kind of dive into more of your dentistry. So definitely enjoy it. Understand how far you've come to get there. Um, You know, have gratitude and just, you know, pat yourself on the back. You made it getting into dental school is a big step and I think you should really learn to reflect on that and appreciate it. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And that's, that's something that we all, you know, as dentists, we're all go-getters. And so that's something that I think, you know, we need to reflect on some more, like you said, have gratitude and be happy at the stage you're at. Cause like I was telling uh, somebody else the other day, we've all got that grass is greener mentality. You know, yeah. what, what am I going to do when I get out of dental school? It's going to be better. Oh, when I get my own practice. Oh, when I have my second practice, that sort of thing, you know? So it's, but I mean, that, that's one of the things I personally feel is important that, that makes me happy is personal growth, right? And then like high quality relationships. So I, those are the two things I, I really focus on. 100%, completely agree with you there. Yeah. And it's great to do uh, podcasts and stuff like this. Speak with people like yourself, like create new relationships and got, got a lot in common and I, I can learn a lot from you. And all of our listen, listeners can learn a lot from you. So um, it's awesome. So how about on the last day? What, what's something that you would tell yourself right when you're about to graduate? Right when you're about to graduate. Right. Um, or either when you're going to graduate or like that first year of practicing. So dental graduation for me, it was, it was very emotional because um, growing up, Growing up during like you know, my teenage years and stuff like that, I, I wasn't, let's just say, I was still uh, highly academic. I was still doing well in school, getting my A's and stuff, but I wasn't really kind of behaving myself from where I was from. And, you know, I put my parents through a lot. And the only reason why I'm a dentist here today is because the faith and trust that my dad and my mom and my older brother put in me. Um, I had quite a different route to get into dental school. And when I did, uh, my older brother, who's just a year older than me, he's a medic. Uh, his first year out, as, as medics out here in the UK, you don't earn that much, especially in your first two years. And everything he was making, he was sending me. I was having a job too, uh, to kind of just pay for my dental fees in school. So when dental graduation came, gratitude and giving back to, to my family was such a huge thing for me. I know when I walked up on stage and they put... Um, kind of like a, a robe around your around your neck. Um, first thing I did before even shaking someone else's hand is I turned around and I pointed at my dad and my brother who were out there and I was like, this isn't me, this is you. Because if it wasn't for them and their support, I wouldn't have got to where I am today. So everyone here who's listening on dental graduation day, 
give gratitude to those people who put you in that place because I don't think anyone is really self-made, you know? And I think like, you know, if you've got an amazing support system, I think dental graduation day is definitely yes, reflect and celebrate all the hard work you put in, but don't forget about all those people who support you throughout your journey to get you where you are. That's awesome, man. I love that. That's fantastic. And that's definitely something we can all do is thank our parents, you know, <laughs> more and, and, and always pick up the phone when mom calls, right? Like <laughs> gotta do that better. So, okay, cool. So let's talk about now when you're in practice, Let, let's go through some stuff that has helped make you become successful. So let's talk first about um, some systems and stuff. Like, do you have any systems that you can visualize right now that are really have, have once you implemented them, they kind of set you on a, on a more straighter path and upward path. Right. So we're talking in practice when we've seen patients. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So I think when you're coming out of dental school, your first year, most important thing that you need to have don't worry about your pay bracket how much you're getting paid you know as a dentist it's, it's it's a great career and you will make a living out of it but in your first few years the most important thing is to have a great mentor behind you right dental school to practicing dentistry two completely different things i think your first day when you're starting practicing as a dentist is when you're really starting the dental world right everything you learned before great gives it a great foundation but you're only starting learning from day one and from day one make sure that you found yourself a practice or a mentor someone that's going to supervise you and and help you because you know my first few patients um although i've seen many patients throughout dental school it's different and you need to know how to be able to talk to patients how to be able to treat what patients really want and go through that whole patient journey with them and having a great mentor behind you to explain to you not only the clinical aspects but the patient aspects as well is great so for anyone listening focus on just having a great mentor behind you that's awesome so how do you how do you find that mentor um so for us we kind of um in in the uk it's probably different we we're in the scheme where you get ranked uh we get different practices sent out to us like 12 practices we can work in and we can each like we can hit each one up go and visit them see what they're about uh for me luckily i had um one of my brother's friends who was a mentor and i already knew him before so i put him as my first choice and uh within my my school ranking i studied in spain and i got the highest um mark in spain in the country in spain so i got my first place of my choice of my placements there so i got to be with him and uh he was able to mentor me so if you're a dental student in the US or anywhere out in the world and you're applying for jobs, make sure you visit that practice, find out who that practice owner is or the practice principal is and who you're going to be working under and make sure that you, you know that they're going to be mentoring you and giving you some time um, is the most important thing. Uh, one of my friends, he kind of spoke to me because I've been doing social media and dental marketing straight after graduation, I had offers from private dental clinics and um they were big brands you know out here uk there were big clinics big brands and they're giving me offers and i was like this is great i'm going to go and work with them um first year in i'm going to be playing with the big boys you know and he kind of looked at it and told me as a, a soccer team right so imagine if you're um or even a football team as you guys play out there right so imagine if you're a young a young uh, a football player or whatnot and you're first going into the game and you've got an offer from playing for one of the big football clubs, right? Or you've got an offer to play one of the small football clubs. You know in the small football clubs, you're going to be having more time. You're going to be out in the field. You're going to be practicing your skills. You're going to be having more time every single day. However, when you're playing for one of the big teams, you're probably going to be put on the bench. You're not going to be having that experience that you need when you're a young, den young football player, a young dentist, that you need to develop your skills and become a better dentist. So these guys were giving me jobs because they knew I could get Invisalign leads in, whitening leads in and stuff in. But were they going to be giving me the time, the mentoring and stuff? I doubt it. And, you know, my friends that like, don't do that, go through the system, get yourself in a small practice where you can practice a lot and develop your skills. So that's, that's my advice. And I definitely, like, you know, go, go forth with it. First few years, just practice, practice, practice. That's, that's awesome. So how do you, what if you've got like a couple mentors? All right, first of all, because mm -hmm. you just brought up fo football, are you a no. Liverpool fan? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't watch football too much, but uh, I'm a Manchester United fan, if anything. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No? 
my, my buddy, uh, Anthony, he's unfortunately not with us right now, but he can literally talk football to you for hours and hours and hours. He's the biggest Liverpool fan I've ever met in the United States. Uh, so. You want to talk about from Florida as well? I only became a Liverpool fan because he started he, – he got me to start watching it. So <laughs> that's how it goes, you know. But well, One of my friends actually played in Miami in, in Florida. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he was from Manchester United. We met in Valencia, Spain, and now he's out there in Orlando. He's in Orlando. Is he playing for Orlando City? Yes, Orlando City. I think. Oh, who is it? Uh, his name is Luis Nani. Luis Nani. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna. Yeah, check him you gotta, out. You gotta put me in touch with him because yeah, I'm yeah. a huge Orlando City fan. I'm from Orlando. Oh so, wow! Yeah, okay. you, you. Whenever you come over here, you and uh, we'll go to one of the games together. It's yeah, I was, awesome I was meant to go last year actually. I just missed him. Missed him, but he was playing in Toronto against the Toronto guys. I think Toronto's only got one football team in your league, right? Right. The MLS League, is it? I'm not too sure the name of it. I, it might be. Yeah, it might be MLS. Yeah, yeah. but definitely, yeah. We're definitely going to come down at one point. So That's awesome, some- man. <laughs> That'd be real fun because there's Orlando's just – it's blowing up. It's supposed to be one of the best uh, real estate markets in the United States. So I'm thinking, you know, hmm, maybe should I practice there because it's just growing like crazy. And also the uh, the demographic, like it's an older demographic and it's just increasing. So yeah. it's like that baby boomer and – so, I mean, what, what a great place to practice dentistry, right? Sure, for sure. So. I also got a, I have one of my friends, I can't believe I forgot about her, Dr. Amira. She's, uh-huh. uh, I think she's from Florida, Miami as well. She's a great, great dentist as well. So, yeah, I definitely put you in touch with her. She's, she's, yeah. she's really good. She's treats all these celebrities, um, Destiny's Child, one of the Destiny's Child members. And she's, yeah, she's yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so um, let's talk about case acceptance, how to talk to patients, communication, right? So, is there anything that you think uh, really helps when you're communicating with patients, trying to help them get, get them to say yes, you know, because sometimes patients just, you know, they don't understand that they've got a really, like we say, bombed out mouth and they're just like, no, I just want my teeth whitened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I can't whiten your teeth if there's a giant hole in the side of it. You know what I'm saying? So what, how do you uh, go through uh, patient communication and getting them to say yes? Sure. Uh, with patient communication, um, it's really, this is where my, my degree in biology and psychology really helps me out because it helps me understand the patient more, better communication. I'm sure you guys do modules of that in dental school as well. So really make sure you utilize that when you're talking to patients. Um, you need to find out what their needs are, uh, what's going on in their head, uh, why do they want this whitening if they've got, you know, perio that needs sorting out beforehand. And uh, I find it really for myself this is what i do i really put myself in the patient's shoes and relate to them you know when um patients got pericoronitis and it's hard to brush within that area i'm like yo i've had pericoronitis before i know how hard it is to brush within that area or just put up put up you know like you know say i've been in those shoes or I, you know i know how it is it's going to be difficult it's going to be this and that so the most important things in, in patient communication is to really put yourself in their shoes see what their social economical status is, see what, you know, what they're used to, seeing their friends or seeing social media, find out what their needs are and really break it down to them from their point of view and how to kind of carry on. As in, you could do all this great cosmetic work with them, but at the end of the day, if they're not changing their all hygiene habits, their diets, their habits, if they're smoking or whatnot, then all that is going to fail within a couple of years. And you need to really tell them that in their best interest, because in your interest, well, cool, I'm going to do cosmetic work. You pay the bill. I'm, I'm, I'm good. But for their sake, it's, it's not going to be good because it's only going to last a couple of years. So you've got to really talk through this journey with them um, in, their point of view, in their point of view. Be like, look, if you want long-lasting results, this is what you've got to do. Take care of your perio. Take care of your, your, your active feelings you've got in now. And we'll slowly work up there. It's a process. It's, um, it's you know, a continuation of treatments. And I really feel like you know, if you speak to the patient in their shoes, from their point of view, really relate to them, uh, develop a relationship with them, then they're going to be more understanding and better. So I always say, practice holistic dentistry, mind, body, teeth. There you go. So do you have any like phrases that you like use or analogies or any like keywords? Because I like using the, um, when you're talking about getting uh, caries uh, for a, a cavity, it's like, uh, it's like termites and they're, they're eating away. And it, that, I think that helps the picture, the patient picture, uh, the bacteria as like little bugs, you know, and it, it kind of makes it graphic and more urgent. So what, what do you like to use? Um, 
with my patients, I actually have a YouTube channel called Dr. Denzel. And uh, I create videos, basically pretty much of what you just said, that mm -hmm. kind of just explains what they have. Uh, I've got like, you know, Invisalign versus braces, uh, what causes bad breath, how do you deal with it? Uh, any kind of scenario you'd have, I'd, I'd have like, you know, um, I started doing videos on it and, you know, got some more coming out. So I just kind of give them my YouTube channel, you know, watch this really breaks it down. Um, to you because like i said i'm an nhs dentist at the moment so my time isn't as much as a private dentist would be but i would definitely say check out this video don't really have any terminology like that unless i'm talking to children who wouldn't understand what caries is that's when you really need to break it down to them but with all my patients i show them their radiographs talk exactly what's going on why is it happening what their diet is like and stuff so after i've done all of that they get a better understanding they go home most of them, they tell me they watch my videos anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so after they watch the videos, we come back in um, and then we kind of develop uh, a treatment plan for them. Right. So that, that's kind of cool. So you've got like a patient-facing uh, marketing going on right there, but then you've also got the dental-facing for the uh, dental practice marketing. So that's, that's unique. Mm -hmm. So you, you get both sides of the coin there. So, yeah. um, are you, so since you've got another thing that's patient-facing, are you running ads and stuff like that on the YouTube channel? How are you doing that? Or are you just giving it only to the patients that you see? Um, to be honest with my, my YouTube, um, I, I think I did like, you know, five or six videos at the very start. And um, those are the videos, believe it or not, was what that got me my, uh, my, my job office with private practices because they wanted to make me make videos for them in their practice <laughs> towards their patients, right? And uh, from that, it just kind of organically grew. Um, uh, and I, I'm not running any ads on it yet. The only ads that I run are for clinics that are just, you know, advertising services that we run, for example, Invisalign implants and stuff like that. Um, with the YouTube ones, I kind of let that grow organically and I always kind of refer every patient I have who has a problem, who can't decide between silver fillings or white fillings or Invisalign or braces, like check out this video, I break it down to you in a T. And from then you kind of be able to have more of an understanding and make more of an informed decision based on evidence-based results. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I, I pull it up now. This is awesome, man. This, this looks, that's a nice logo. Wow. <laughs> looks nice. Very cool. Um, so speaking of that, if we're talking about YouTube, have you seen the uh, recently in the news, the, the thing about TikTok, how Donald Trump's going to ban TikTok and because of like breaches with the, the China and have you thought about, getting into TikTok now at some point. All right. Um, we have a few TikTok dentists out here in the UK. For me, it's not for me, um, simply because uh, it's, it's, I kind of want to work on building my brand and building my career around patients, around dentists and stuff like that. I, I haven't heard of anyone using TikTok to, to bring in patients. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Google searches and stuff like that. That's why we use to bring in patients. And uh, TikTok is more just, you know, having a bit of a break from dentistry, having a bit of fun. Um, a few uh, of my dental friends out here, Dr. Nina, um, they do they do jump on it, uh, but it's not for me. How about yourself? No, I, it's tough, man. Like making the videos is a lot more difficult than, because uh, you kind of almost got to script it versus like taking a photo for the IG. It's mm. like, it's a little bit of work there. My, my girlfriend's been banging me on to get on it because she wants to do those those Drake flips with challenges. Oh, that's never gonna happen. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, my my girlfriend, same thing. She's just always like, "Hey, why don't we do this one? Why don't we do this one?" <laughs> yeah. same, thing, man. same thing. Okay, cool. So, let's talk uh, a little bit now about team culture, right? So, how I'm I'm assuming that the dental office in the UK is set up very similar, if not the same as uh, over here in the US. Uh, mm -hmm front desk, office, do, do most practices have office managers? Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. So how do you uh, go about running uh, the, the team there? And how do you keep like a positive, a positive vibe? This is, this is probably the biggest thing. Uh, one of the biggest topics that we talk about in dental marketing and how a practice owner can grow their practice or whatnot. It's all about the team that you're with, right? right? Everyone needs to have the same ethos and to have the same kind of, objectives and missions uh in life um so uh, what i do is i work with kpis which is key performance indicators um with, with each staff in terms of being able to utilize the team as effectively as possible right so out here dental nurses they don't have the best wages um so you know 
um, incentivizing them aside from their usual paycheck needs to come from other areas, right? Whether that be more holiday, um, meals, socials, whatnot. So with the clients that I work with, I work with KPIs in terms of amount of Google reviews they can, have, they can get from a patient at the end of the day. They will work within a team. Uh, we work with Google reviews, Instagram stories up of the day, uh, and just different, different things that can utilize the team better. Because at the end of the day, as a dental marketing consultant, I can give you as many leads as you want. But if you don't have the front house reception team that is going to pick up and convert these leads into patients, you're wasting your money with it. Exactly. So one of the things I do is I train um, the front of house in order how to handle uh, these leads. Because, you know, sometimes you go into a practice and they don't know what an implant is. They don't know what certain treatment is. They don't blame them for it because they haven't been taught it. But you do need to give that, that training towards that staff. And you also need to sit down with each member of your dental team and talk about what they want in life. What do they want in life? What they're aspiring to be? What they're coming into the job for? What's going to make them happy? Uh, what you can do to reward them for their hard work? Because each person is going to vary, you know? Uh, someone might just want a later start to drop their kids off to school. Someone might want, you know, a bit more holiday dates if they work extra hours from there or anything. You know, every single person has, has different values and objectives in life. And you need to sit down there as a practice manager, practice owner, speak to your team, relate to your team, have more socials, get to know them outside of the practice and really develop a relationship with them. And then all of you guys have a common brand objective goal for your clinic. And, you know, some of the practices in the UK have done a great job with that. Uh, everyone is like, yeah, I'm part of this clinic. This is our brand. This is our ethos. This is what we stand for. We're about this. And it's great. And I think a lot more dental practices need to invest more in their front of house. That's awesome. That, that's really some, some really valuable information. So what, what KPIs are you using specifically? Because we talk about KPIs a lot on the, on the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. Because there's, you know, there's the KPIs like production, all that sort of stuff on that side. Are there individual KPIs that you use just for the team? Aside, like, so you said like Google reviews, uh, what else? Google reviews, turning leads into patients. I don't want to say clients <laughs> in, right. into patients. Yeah. Um, Instagram stories. Uh, How do you do the Instagram stories? So what people want to see when they visit a, a clinic's dental Instagram page is what goes on in the clinic, right? I'm not going to be there every single day to go to all these different clinics and do your stories for you. Um, we have our own production team you can go in there, take a few pictures, take a few videos, create a client journey, but no one's going to be in the practice every single day doing Instagram stories. So you're going to have to train your nurses or your reception team to kind of show what goes on in the clinic on a day-to-day -day basis. So you need to have someone who's not camera shy, who's going to jump on there be like, hi, my name is this. Welcome to another day uh, here. Uh, let me talk you around. Let me see what's going on today. Today we've got whitening here. Show them the before and after, do it in the story making. People don't want to see blood. They don't want to see drilling. They don't want to see any right. of that stuff. So we kind of train these people what to film, what not to film. And then we say like, you know, we need to have at least five to six Instagram stories in the day. You meet that every single day. We, we put it as a team goal. So all of the nurses kind of work together. This is the team. This is what you need to do. Six Instagram stories per day. Um, certain number of Google reviews per week. Um, and then turning the... KPI, sorry, turn the leads into things, different, different things, depending on different practices, because different people are incentivized by different goals. So I can't say this is all we use, we use that for most of them. And then we add on different bits and the other, just to make sure that the team are working together, supporting one another, someone else is lacking, someone else can pick up with. But that's why we don't really do individual KPIs, but we do team KPIs. Right. That's really, that's really cool. So do you let, like, let the assistants have full access to the account? Is it like the uh, practice account or do they have their they, own individuals? Uh, they will have the logins. They will have the, the logins and the passwords so they can all access it uh, from there. Um, we don't, obviously, it's just stories that we, we allow right. them to do with posts and stuff. We kind of keep it uh, a little bit more professional, professional pictures uh, and captions and everything that go along with it as well uh, because we also run adverts from that. The story is just for anyone who clicks on an advert, goes onto the page, you want to see it's active, things are happening. Let's check on the story, what they're about today, what's going on. And when you're capturing patients' emotions, everyone's happy, jolly, coming into work. Right. Everyone's smiling. Everyone's having a good time. Um, patients are happy too. Hey, I want to go to that practice. That seems really cool. You know, everyone's happy. You want to jump on it. That's good great, vibe man. of energy. 
Yeah. I really haven't talked to anybody that's doing that sort of thing. So I think that that's really unique. And how do you deal with, like, do you have, I don't know what, what it's called. It's called HIPAA over here. I don't know if you have like some sort of patient privacy over in the UK. Uh, how do you deal with that? So we, um, every dentist here signed on to something called the general dental council. So they have the kind of rules and regulations in terms of what we can show and what you can't show. So for example, you can't put up a case without a patient consent to be showing their face, picture, or any kind of information out there. Uh, they, Instagram wasn't really around before, right? So Instagram and Facebook is kind of new to the board in terms of how to deal with it, uh, how to go about it and stuff. So uh, as a dentist, this is kind of my USP because a lot of dental marketing companies, consultants would be like, yeah, let's jump on it, we'll do it for you. But they didn't really comply with the GDC rules. As a dentist, I'm in practice every single day. I see patients every single day. I know what the rules are. So this is kind of something I kind of put in as my USP. And I'm, sort of, I'm a dentist, I know how it is, follow the rules in. Um, I haven't heard of anyone getting done um, for you know, social media posts or anything like that. But I have seen some posts people put up on Instagram where it's a dentist seeking advice from another dentist, putting into dental groups, saying, Clyde can help me with this case. Patient's number's on there, patient's name's oh. on there. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, you can't be doing stuff like that. So sometimes that does get flagged up and uh, you just got to make sure that with everything you do, as, as in the US and the UK, patient consent is so important and that's one of the key GDC principles. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, so let's, let's uh, shift topics here. Now, Dr. Denzel, tell me about your vision. Let's talk about vision. Where do you, the, where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years? Where is your goal and where, where are you trying to get to? Right. So I, throughout lockdown, I've been able to connect with so many different people. Um, I sat down and I, I speak with, um, as I said before, Dr. Bill Dorfman, Dr. Sam Seller, uh, Dr. Robbie Hughes, McGraw Stanley, you know, about all of these great, huge cosmetic dentists. And in the next five years, I want to be able to be up to that level, you know? And uh, one of the main reasons why these guys have made it so big um, Bill, you know, been on TV, um, been not on social media because social media wasn't really a thing back then. But been on all these different medias, writing a book, going on these TV appearances, doing all of this great work. So in the next five years, I want to be able to develop my skills firstly as a competent dentist and know how to do cosmetic dentistry properly. But then after within five years, I I really want to be one of the best cosmetic dentists in the game. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. So what? It, what, what uh, I guess, KPIs would you use to get yourself there? Have, have you thought about that sort of stuff? Um, so for me at the moment right now, everything is just about personal growth, learning. I'm currently doing a master's in restorative and aesthetic dentistry. So like I said, it's my first year at dental school. In no way, shape or form, I'm in the same level as Sam Seller or Dr. Bill. Like, these guys are way ahead of me and I can just only learn from them as great mentors. and one of my KPIs is just, uh, or not all of my KPIs is basically just to develop my skill sets. There's so many dentists uh, in the UK doing an amazing, amazing work. And for me, for definitely for the next two years, is just to learn as much as I can and practice my skill set um, to be able to just go on then and do private dentistry. Uh, and, you know, before you can post something on Instagram or post anything to do with, like, you know, before and after cases or anything like that, you've really got to know it inside out because there's so many dentists there that will post a great before and after, but that might not look like that five years down the line. It's all about longevity of the work you do. And um, it's not just it's purely about aesthetics. Well, cool, that looks great after. Is it going to look like that in two years time? If it is great, go ahead and post about it. But until I know how to do all of that, you're not going to see me posting my work on Instagram. Right, right. Okay, cool. Um, so what are some books, podcasts, resources that you really like, uh, besides, and of course you said number one resource, mentor, mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what are some resources that you like besides that? Oh, I read a lot of self-help books, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, Hey, I got a whole shelf right there of, <laughs> of self-help wow. books. Wow. Okay. What's, what, what, put it on to you. What's your favorite? Um, right now. Let's see. I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading a few. Let's, 
I really like, uh, I like personal finance stuff too, real estate. I read a lot of that stuff, but I'd say probably one of the ones that has kind of changed my behavior the most has got to be Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Have you read that one? I haven't, that, I haven't read That's a really good one. I really suggest that one. He's a Navy SEAL and the principle is own every mistake, whether it's your own mistake or somebody else's mistake. You got to own it. anything that goes wrong in the practice. That's your fault, but you, you got to take ownership of it. 100%. That's, that's the only way you're going to be happy in life. You're going to be blaming other people for mistakes that have gone wrong in your life. Even if it isn't to do with you, just own it. Just own it. Like, no, cool. In this situation, let me take hold of it. And that's the most powerful thing you can do. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. We're definitely going to read up on it. For me personally, um, Kevin Hart's latest book, well, his book, Life Lessons, that was a great one because of the stuff he's gone through and to be able to put it out there to the world to see, that was great. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is one of the classics. Oh, yeah. Power of Thinking Rich. Um, there's, there's so many. There's so many that I, that I kind of dive into and read. The Secret uh, is another one, The Power of Positive Thinking, Speaking It Into Existence. Um, it's all about that. And I, I strongly, strongly believe it, you know, as in, Growing up, um, I always told myself since I was like 15, I'm going to be a dentist, going to be a dentist. And I had so many difficulty to get into dental school. But when I envision something and have the, the power of positive thinking, it, you say it enough, you carry conviction, it's, it's going to come true. That's awesome. Have you ever read um, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I read I that. Think, yeah. That's a good one. I think uh, when students start dental school, they should be forced to read that. Instead of whatever book, did you have to read a book? Because we had to read a book when we started dental school, like a, a literature book. Yeah, as a book to do with dentistry yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, but not yeah. book, but chapters of books and stuff, yeah. All right, but that book sh I think should be required just to help with communication because I feel like so many people have difficult difficulty with communication. So it's just like, you know. Of course, of course. I think patient communication is, is, is half, it, like half of it's clinical skills, the other half is how you, how you are with your patients. If you can make your patient feel safe and comfortable and wanting to come and see you, then it helps in so many ways, not just with the work you do, but out here in the UK, there are some dentists I know that have had medical legal issues with a patient because they might have missed a caries on an x-ray or so. But if the patient loves them and they have great patient communication skills, they're never going to get in trouble with them. But a patient who might be great clinically but has no good personal communication skills patients are going to be like no i'm not happy with him and go for it so great book for everyone to read is that yeah definitely okay cool so this this conversation just flew by can you <laughs> give it really did uh can you give our listeners your contact information how to reach out with you to you with any questions and then again sure. the, the website and all that stuff Sure, yeah. Uh, best way to reach me would probably be my Instagram is Dr. Denzel. That's uh, Dr. Denzel. Um, feel free to just message me. Questions get a lot of people from all around the world, like especially India, <laughs> who just see me and just, you know, in the drop loads of messages. But in any way to help, I can. Um, anything to do with dentistry, entrepreneurship, um, studying abroad, or anything like that, feel free to drop me a message and I'll try and help where I can. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Dr. Denzel. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. All right, guys. That'll do it for this episode of the Dental Supervised Podcast starring Dr. Jana Denzel. And we hope you guys enjoyed this interview. He had a ton of insightful information to talk about. We hope you guys learned at least a little something to help you propel yourself to be the top 1% of dentists in the world. As always, stay safe and vibe on. These are crazy times. Let's stick it out together.